This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports in this show. And as you know, I've been here for the last 18 years, been on the radio here in the Kansas City area for 28 years, and our show is now on in numerous cities around the country, and we're expanding rapidly. And, you know, this show is about you. It's about mindsets. It's about attitude. It's about sportsmanship. And every week I try to bring up a topic that I think will be of interest to talk about. I've been a sports psychologist in the Kansas City area for 38 years. I've been doing this about as long as anybody in the country. Work with athletes at all levels from professional Olympic athletes all the way down to youth sports. And if you listen to our show, you know one of my passions is youth sports. And because youth sports is important to me, I'm really concerned about the way people act. This past week, I had an 11-year-old girl in my office with her mom talking about softball, since she's a softball player. Ends up when she was seven, age seven, she had a coach who screamed and yelled at her if she walked somebody or struck out. We'd get angry at her. Well, guess what? Now she's got a confidence problem. She's got a confidence problem now because she's always afraid a coach is going to yell at her if she screws up. So her mom brought her in to start working with me. This is our second session this week, and I think we actually made some progress. She's a very bright young lady. And after we got into this discussion, I said, why are you so afraid, and why do you get so upset? Well, I think the coaches are going to be angry at me. Why would they be angry at you? Well, because I once had a coach who got mad and would yell at me if I walked somebody. I said, well, that coach shouldn't be coaching. And we got into a discussion, and by the time we were done, she was smiling and laughing, and her mom said, thank you, Dr. Jacobs. I think we made some progress. So yesterday, I saw a post online, which I'm going to read to you right now, because the individual who wrote this is sitting across the counter from me, because I got a hold of him, found out who he was, and through my girlfriend, reached out to him, and he's here. But I'm going to read what he said, and then I'll introduce him. I have already chosen to quit officiating soccer for Heartland Soccer Association affiliated games because the parent sideline behavior has grown progressively worse over the last decade. From my experience, they are not doing enough to manage the parents and coaches' behavior and therefore do not support referees enough. Then tonight, while officiating indoor adult co-ed rec soccer, it's again, indoor adult co-ed rec soccer, not sporting KC, I had a male player intentionally throw a ball into a female's face instead of performing a legal throw-in. She then proceeded to punch him on his left cheek. I had to speak with the Independence Police, Independence, Missouri, police regarding the matter after my next game. These are the reasons why I will quit officiating soccer. Everyone is out of control and everything, this is just normal. Everyone thinks it's normal behavior because someone pays to play a sport. This is written by a man named Brian Silek, who is sitting across the table from me. Now, Brian just isn't some guy out there officiating. He is the assistant athletic director and strength and conditioning coach at Avila College. He's been in the strength and conditioning nutrition field for years here in the Kansas City area. And got a hold of him yesterday, and he's sitting here with me today. Brian, thank you for coming in and talking with us this morning. Thank you for inviting me. You mentioned you've listened to the show before, so you know I get into this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. When I read this, I'm like, are you kidding me? A guy threw a ball, okay, into a female's face instead of thro- throwing a legal throw-in, and then she punched him? Yes. Okay, 
that, that, tell me what happened. Explain that. Yeah, literally, it was uh, the game was not even that contentious. We hadn't had to give any type of warnings or anything. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, ball goes out of bounds. He did not like that she didn't respect the distance appropriately, which it happened so quickly. We didn't even have time to tell her to back up. And so he intentionally, um, the terminology we would use is he violently threw the ball directly into her face instead of trying to throw it over her when he's at least six inches taller. And so it was with intent. Uh, Before we could even do anything, she turned around and hit him. I had to sprint over. I had to eject both players. The sidelines are erupting. Everyone's flipping out saying, you need to do something about this. And I'm like, I already gave the two ejections. We had to call the game with four minutes left, and uh, we moved on to our next game. But the police were called because someone wanted to file an assault charge. They came and talked to us after the fourth game and had to take our, our statements. And so, yeah, it was just out of control. Okay, now that's an adult co-ed rec game. Correct. Winning, we gotta win. We gotta beat. I don't care if it's a woman. Screw her. I'm throwing the ball in her face. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's absurd. Now, you say you have quit officiating youth sports because the parents' sideline behavior has grown progressively worse over the last decade. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. So um, Heartland does a uh, general email that they send out usually once or twice a year to all the coaches. And Heartland Soccer is a huge organization here in the Kansas City area, youth soccer organization. It's actually the largest youth soccer association in the nation, according to them. And they send out a general email to the parents um, and to the coaches, two separate emails, saying you need to manage your behavior. Coaches are held responsible for that sideline behavior. But every year it's I, I see more people yelling at refs. Um, the last game that I finally was done with, I had a an adult standing behind my a teenage female assistant referee yelling at her about an offsides call that I had to tell him to stop. Another mom on that same okay, hold hold on, you told him to stop. What did he do? Um, back talked a little bit, then calmed down. Yeah, oh yeah, he's, that's that's common to be back talked from the parents. So then another mom farther down the sideline is I couldn't tell if she was yelling at him or yelling at me they get very passive aggressive and like to say that they're just talking to each other but they're doing it in a uh, public dissenting manner on purpose to make sure that the referee can hear it how old were the kids you were this was a uh, it was an under 17 division two game okay so older kids it is older kids yes and normally the older you get the better it is because the younger parents or the younger children's parents don't know the rules yeah usually by the time they hit that age the parents have 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 weathered the storm Mm -hmm. and they don't get into it usually you see it with eight nine and ten year olds don't you right and so um as the game progressed i had two different um uh, opportunities to call a foul i called a foul on both of those um instances the team that i called a foul against both those sidelines flipped out. They erupted. I had to call three field marshals over to eject parents. But even then, the field marshals didn't eject all the parents that I'd requested to eject. So I felt non-supported by the association for not doing what I asked to help me control the sideline. So you decided you had enough. I literally I was scheduled for three games. I finished that game, and I told them, this is my last game. You need to find someone to cover the last two. I'm done here. And what did they say to you? You can't do that. We need you. Uh, actually, to goodbye? be fair, they they said goodbye. They wanted me to send an official email to the head of the referees, um, which I planned to do at the conclusion of the season. I wanted to give myself time to cool down enough. Okay. I'm sports psychologist <coughs> Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. My guest today is Brian Silek. We're talking about behavior at youth sporting events. And I want to hear from you. He is an assistant athletic director at a college. He is a strength and conditioning coach, which we could get into all that in another time. But he's had enough as an official. If you have been at a youth sports game and you've seen out-of-control parents, out-of-control coaches, out-of-control refs, I want to hear from you. We're going to talk with Brian about this and what we've got to do to fix it. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax? 
build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 Minutes to Success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, to get 20 Minutes to Success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHP in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week. We get into the mental side of sports, sportsmanship, confidence, preparation, focus, attitudes, you name it. We get into it. I've been a sports psychologist for 38 years. And today in studio with me is Brian Silek. He is an assistant athletic director at Avila University as well as our strength and conditioning coach. But that's not why he's here today. He's here because he has quit refereeing youth sports games and adult sports games because he's had enough of parents' behavior, sideline behavior. And we're going to talk about this throughout the show, why. He's refereed for 10 years at all levels, and he just shared a story with us about an adult co-ed league and a throw-in, 
a male threw the ball into a female's face, then she punched him, and the police were called. He's had enough at you sports games being yelled at as well. And I want to hear from you. If you are a referee, you've refereed, and you think there's a problem today, I want you to give us a call. If you are a coach, and you've had enough of parent behavior on the sidelines, you're not sure what to do, I'd like to hear from you as well. And if you've played sports, and you see parents, coaches, out of control, what goes on? If you run a league, how do you handle it? And Brian, before we get back to our question, we have a call. Let's see what Dave has to say. Dave, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for uh, calling in. I'm kind of uh, right along the same lines as you. I coached youth sports for almost 18 years, and uh, I do not do that anymore. Um, I've got two nine-year-old twin boys now. And, uh, you know, 20 years ago when you just used to go to the Parks and Rec Department, get your schedule handed out to the parents, stuff like that everything was good well now today you got the cell phones and everything else and you got parents calling you at 10 o'clock at night if they go to work at five o'clock in the morning they're calling you to figure out what goes next that's one problem that i kind of want you guys to address i want another problem in here that um i'll go ahead and say it and then get off there uh there was a uh, basketball game probably this this last year sometime and we're talking about how many people it takes to volunteer to run this stuff? Well, you got a guy that's on the local rec basketball board or whatever who's also wearing a hat to coach a team. So this guy that's on the board, he runs the referees, the, the high school referees that run the thing or whatever, and now you get in the middle of game time and he's trying to wear his hat to coach the team as long as trying to wear the hat to coach his referees at the same time. Sometimes that becomes conflict of interest. People start screaming. People start yelling. That's just a couple thoughts that I wanted you guys to address. And I'll, one, one, I'll one thing, Dave, before I let you go and before I have Brian yeah. comment, you said this is yeah. going on now. 20 years ago, it wasn't. Well, 20 years ago, my kids were 8 and 9, and it was going on then because I've talked about it forever. I, I, I remember stuff that went on when my kids were young. So this has been going on for a while. But I think it's getting worse. And, you know, in some ways it's getting better because there is more of an awareness of it. But it's getting worse now because people don't understand the rules. Anyway, Dave, thank you for your call. Let's see what Brian has to say about that. Yeah, from my experience, I, th- I think that the expansion of competitive soccer um, it, it has taken over rec to where there's less rec leagues. There's more competitive all the way down through nine different div- different divisions of different age groups and so the problem is that all these people are contributing money it's become a very large money-making system and so let me let me yeah money is ruining youth sports in my opinion Mm -hmm. because there's somebody making money leagues are getting formed someone's making money tournaments are being formed someone's making money their uniforms their trophies their coach all this stuff there's a lot of money in youth sports which is great and, and listen, I love youth sports. I think it's the greatest thing in the world for kids to get involved. I think it's ridiculous for kids to be playing in leagues at age four and five. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it's ridiculous to be keeping score until they're probably in middle school. Score shouldn't even matter, in my opinion. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I have an eight-year-old daughter, and we had to move her out of recreation into competitive soccer a couple years earlier than I ever wanted to just because her team was already moving up after first grade to competitive soccer. Why? She had no team uh, because everybody wants to go competitive. And so as they're expanding this way too fast, you're talking about turf complexes being built everywhere and all of these fields, all these organizations, and there's too many games going on to even be able to properly support all of those games. Before we go to our next caller, Todd, who we'll get to in a second, why did you decide to quit refereeing? Um, I, I think that the sideline behavior is out of control from, from both the coaches and parent standpoint, and I don't think that the organizations have any interest in actually trying to manage that because they're too worried about having uh, the dollar amounts come in. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest is Brian Silek, who's just quit refereeing because he's had enough. And let's see what Todd has to say. Todd, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? Great. Thank you for calling in. Uh, Brian actually knows me, Brian. I used to work in sports lodge, which I'm, uh, I just wanted to say thank you for doing what you're doing, Brian. Um, more of this needs to be said. I actually quit my job there because of the exact same things that are, he's talking about. Um, he's exactly right. These parents are out of control. The kids are out of control. The places that run these places, all they care about is the bottom line. They don't have any care about the kids. Um, I was 
appalled at the backroom politics between you know people that have been doing it for a long time. I call it the good old boy system. Um, I had a family of brothers physically and mentally threaten me, uh, basically because they didn't agree with how I was running the place when they were beating up on little kids playing in you know an adult league. Wait, 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 uh, wait, wait. <clears throat> what do you what do you mean, Todd? Um, basically, I was running the facility and I called a game because we had adults not even going for the ball in a soccer game. They were just throwing their 250-pound frames into 180, maybe 175-pound 18-year-olds. And we had a kid hit his head on the ground so hard that it almost knocked him out. And I called the game, and I got fired for it, basically. I got demoted, so I quit. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Um, you, and Brian know, you and Brian know each other. Yeah, why, is this, well. why is this problem going on? Um, in my personal opinion, there's not enough people like myself and Brian that will speak up for what they think is right. That's my personal opinion on it. Um, there's a lot of people that just get paid and go home and just take their check and go home. You know what I mean? It's kind of gone away of the past. People actually caring about their job and caring about these children. That's kind of my more thing. The adult leagues, it's kind of a waste of time, in my opinion. It's become, it's a wild, wild west. People do whatever they want to do anyway. Brian mentioned um, during, our, during our commercial break sure. that there is a lack of referees now. Brian, because? They don't, they don't want to ref. They don't want to have anything to do with it. They're physically threatened. They're mentally threatened. You know, they're afraid that if they do do something, they're going to be fired from what they do and they can't support their families. I don't blame them. Brian, you agree with that? Yeah, and I mean, there was one tournament that I was refereeing where they had 93 games at the start of the day that did not have a three-man referee crew. And what's interesting was when I talked to them about it, they required us to use a parent to help with the sideline officiating, an unpaid, unqualified person. And when we got to that point... It was interesting because I asked him, hey, you know, I'm having to do more work to cover for this. Am I being compensated? The answer was, no, you're not being compensated differently. So the associations are getting more money to actually be able to keep a two-man ref system going. Uh, Todd, thank you for your call, sir. I appreciate it and I appreciate your comments today. You guys have a good morning, Brian. Thanks again, man. Take care. Thanks. You know, this is an issue we're going to address as we move on on the show today. We're going to talk about what's the solution? How do we solve it? Okay, because this is a problem not just here in the Kansas City area, but it's across the country. And our show is heard in a lot of cities, and I know it's going on in these other cities as well. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Brian Silek is my guest today. He's just retired as a referee after 10 years. He's also an assistant athletic director and a strength and conditioning coach at a major university here in the Kansas City area. He knows what he's talking about. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. 
All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you wanna give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, Make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition. And Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. And if you've listened to me in any of the 28 years I've been on radio in the Kansas City area, and as I said, our show is now on in numerous cities around the country, you know, one of my passions is youth sports. I really care about kids playing sports and having fun. Having fun. Not having to win, but enjoying the experience. You know, your son or daughter is 8 right now playing, or 10, they're playing on a youth league game, league baseball, soccer, softball, volleyball, whatever it is, how many of them are going to be playing in college? Not that many. How many are going to be playing professionally? Virtually none of them. Why can't they enjoy the experience? Well, it's because of the adults. The adults who have to win. They've, they've got to be, we've got to be number one. Okay. Today in studio is Brian Silek. He is an assistant athletic director, strength and conditioning coach at Avalon University here in the Kansas City area. And he sent out a post that I saw where he has quit refereeing. He's had enough. He's had enough of the behavior of parents, and he's done. He has an 8-year-old daughter. He started refereeing 10 years ago before she was born. He says, I don't want to deal with this anymore. So we're going to talk about what we need to do to fix this because he's got some answers, and I want to hear from you. If you have had enough with parent behavior, what do you do? You know, one of the things I tell everyone, if you're a coach – And some people think this is silly, but I'm dead serious. If you are a coach, bring a bag of Tootsie Roll, Tootsie Pops to the game and tell the parents, suck on this. Be quiet. Watch the game and enjoy it. So, Brian, before we get your opinion on how to solve this, let's see what Tony has to say is online. Tony, good morning. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, um, I know Brian. I've actually repped with him. I think it's a shame that we're losing – who I consider one of one of the top referees around, but but with that said, and and I got to be brief because I'm getting ready to hit the field. But with that said, I think it comes down to the organizations. You know, the parents think that they have the right to yell at us, that they have the right to talk to us, and they don't. But it, I, I think there needs to be a field marshal on every field, and I think there needs to be a zero tolerance policy. I think the field marshal should have should be the one addressing it before I have to as the center. Well, but excuse me, Tony, but why, you know what? Why don't we do this though? Why isn't this happening? Well, I think you know, of course, it comes down to money, and um, 
they're, they're trying to make as much as they can, so they're probably using volunteers anyway, but even if they are paying their field marshals, they're paying one field marshal to cover four, five, six fields, um, and, and it's not enough. You know, if you really want to control it, get a field marshal on every field, have a zero tolerance, and, and let's be done with it. But let, me, let me ask and this question. I, I, let me, Tony, let me ask this question. I want Brian to comment on this. Should we not have mandatory sportsmanship seminars for parents and coaches before the season starts and with an explanation of what this is all about and explain the rules? And you know what? If you don't like the rules, then go somewhere else. Would that be a way to start? Well, t- Tony's. Is that to me? Because yes, I think yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. No, no, no I, I definitely think so. I mean, um, in in the emails that they send out, you know, Brian was talking about that. You know, um, it's not enough. You, you maybe they have to take a class. Um, I, I, I just think may, maybe they actually have to um, take a referee class. Well, they actually understand the rules. Well, if you're a parent and you're forced to referee, you'll, it'll educate you a lot. Listen, Tony, thank you for your call. Get, get to your games. I appreciate it. Brian, you want to comment on what he said? Yeah. Um, so I think that we need to take it a, a much larger step forward. I think that parents need to be reminded that spectating is a passive activity. I think that I like South Carolina's model where they intentionally said this is a silent September. You're not allowed to talk from sidelines, positive or negative. Your job is to observe the game. I think that that's beneficial. I think that they need to start finding the clubs for the parents that are have to be ejected and empower the referees, support the referees to actually do that. Okay. Let's go next to Eric. Eric, good morning. Harry. I'm sorry we lost it. Kevin, you're on the, on the air. Kevin, go ahead. Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. First of all, uh, thanks for bringing up the topic. First time I've actually heard this topic on the air uh, and radio in general, so thank you for doing that. Um, I've been officiating for about 10 years now, doing Little League primarily. It's my first year doing high school, actually. And uh, you definitely notice the, the difference between the between the two. Um, little league year after year, um, and I've been given second thoughts about just hanging up the mask and saying, hey, that's it. Um, even today, as I'm scheduled, um, you know, I'll look at my games and then uh, based on the game or whatnot, I'll either take it or, or I don't take it. And, um, and that goes based pretty much on what level um, I'm being scheduled. Because as you guys mentioned, um, the younger uh, the kids or the younger the level, the parents are just at their worst. And, um, you know, I mean, myself as, a, as an umpire, I'm thinking, hey, I'm getting, I don't know, could be, what, $40 a game. Is it really worth it to be going out there, getting harassed uh, physically, physically? Um, uh, you know, running the risk of being physically assaulted or threatened, and um, it's just ridiculous. Well, I, uh, Kevin, I think I have the, the, the solution. I don't think anyone's going to do it. I think mm-hmm. if you ha- – first of all, we start with educating, have a preseason meeting. If I, I've, I've been on the air here for forever, and I've talked about this for, for years. There's a preseason mm-hmm. meeting where, as a coach, you set up the rules, the guidelines, and you talk about sportsmanship. And then you have rules if parents disobey. But here's the, here's the solution that I think would solve all of this. If a parent, or a coach for that matter, goes over the edge, they are then required to become an umpire or an official referee. They have to go through that training, and then they have to go out there and do that because that's going to stop them from doing this. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I think that'd be great, and that's something that many people are not going to do. They're not willing to put on the mask, stand behind the plate, and uh, take that kind of abuse. I mean, obviously it's easy to dish out, but... Once you're put in that position, you know, you think twice. And not only that, but I think maybe even sign some kind of a waiver uh, prior to the season. And you know what? I've even thought of, uh, you know, there's a field marshal at every game, but why not put security, you know, private security at every game? And I thought about that when in each game, each Little League game. Now, I know for high school, uh, for the most part here in Los Angeles, the coaches will think twice about getting too crazy because from what I understand, um, if they get ejected, then they have to meet with the AD principle of the school so it's a whole process um as opposed to little league they're not really nobody's really held accountable for their actions because there's no there's no real process so you're calling us from la right now kevin yes correct that is correct sir yes well thanks for listening out there i appreciate it you know here this is this is an issue that that uh we need to work on and address people with because people need to learn and i think they'll to be honest with you if you give as a coach a bag of Tootsie Pops or Lollipops to the parents and say, suck on this during the game, be quiet, that's going to help. 
But I think we set up a guideline. If you are abusive, you are then you're going to be fined, and you're going to be required to take a refereeing and umpiring class, and then you're going to see what it's like. And I think that will solve a lot of this. But we'll see. Listen, Absolutely. sir. Well, let's hope. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for your call. Appreciate it. Thank you. Let's go next to Dennis. Dennis, good morning. How are you? Dennis, are you there? We've lost Dennis. Okay, Brian, you know what, what we were just saying there with, with, with Kevin, I think that's a big key to this is educating parents about what it's like to be in that other side of the other side of the of the, the fence, right? Yeah, correct. I, I mean, I think that this has been permeating for you know decades where it was okay to yell at referee or umpires in baseball at the professional level, and then it's just slowly trickled down to where that same unacceptable behavior at a Royals game is now being seen on that sideline. Because we like to not think of that being a person in the middle. That's a, that's a referee, and it's it, we're there to just help enforce rules. That's all our job is. Where there's no bias, we don't care who wins the game. But parents think of us as some huge confrontation person to them. Here's the bottom line to me: Isn't it all this supposed to be about having fun for kids? I mean, even at the adult co-ed league, where the guy threw the ball in the woman's face, aren't they supposed to be having fun? That's the goal. And and. Was that fun? No. And here fun. you are. You're like, it must have blown your mind. The guy just threw the ball in her face. Now she's punching him? I you used know. to enjoy the process of refereeing. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, this is, this is a topic we could talk about for hours. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me in studio is Brian Seilick. He is retired as an official. He's had enough. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. 
Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. My guest today is Brian Silek. He is an assistant athletic director and strength and conditioning coach with a long history of working in that area. But he's also just quit refereeing after 10 years. Youth sports and adult games because he's had enough of the parent abuse, language, fights that have gone on. Right, Brian? Is, is that what it's about? You've had yes. enough? Yeah, I'm tired of it. The, the the inappropriate behavior from sidelines is uncontrolled now. You know, the book that, that Jeff Montgomery, Pete Malone, and I wrote that's been out for a couple of years called Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes for Youth Sports. You've got a copy of it here. The reason we wrote that book is because of this. Where is fun? It's supposed to be fun. You know, but everybody's, oh, no, you can't do that. And everybody loses their temper. And then officials, you know, I... I and I'm going to ask you this question before we go to our callers here. Why do you, why does anybody want to officiate? What do you get out of that? Because the best job an official does is when they're not noticed, right? Mm-hmm. Because that means you did your job. Why did you decide to do this and why did you decide to quit? Yeah, I mean, I got into it because I was originally a coach and the time commitment for coaching was just too much demand for my family. So I decided to become an official because I've loved soccer ever since I was in second grade. So it was a way for me to be able to be around the sport, contribute back. Um, I enjoyed the activity of being able to be there, but as it, over the years, it's just gotten to where I, I can't have fun. I literally hate uh, walking onto the field. Were you dreading? Were you dreading going to games? Oh yeah, because especially maybe with some coaches you knew who are a little bit over the edge. Oh, we all know specifically the problem coaches. Yes, and what's done about them? <laughs> I, I literally had one once where a problem coach was yelling at the center referee, and the state director for Kansas came up to me and asked. Uh, was there a good reason why the ref- why the coach was yelling at the referee? And I looked at him and said, there's never a good reason. What type of question is that? Great answer. All right, let's go back to the phones. We'll go to Terry, then we'll go to PJ. Terry, good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm um, doing well. Long-time listener. I've called quite a few times. Um, I uh, was an official uh, baseball softball for 32 years, so went all the way up to the top, and um, now I coach. And when I teach privately, um, baseball and softball strike zones specifically, I include the umpire's strike zone as part of the hitting strategy. And I said... That's great. That's great. It is. So so from day one, I start talking to the parents about the umpire's strike zone is just a condition on the field. It's like how well the field is groomed, if it's windy, if it's sunny, if it's cold, whatever. You can't do anything about it except compete with it. And that's it. And there's going to be bad umpires out there because, you know, when you said make somebody umpire, well, some of the times when I've got the most heated is when I've lost my center, basically, and I have have said, hey, I was an umpire and you suck. And I would be embarrassed to be with you. But when I don't do that and just go... The umpire's part of the field condition, and they're gonna, if they're going to be bad, they're bad both ways. You're going to get some, you're going to lose some, you're going to get a good hop, a bad hop, wind, whatever it is, and you start teaching your parents from day one, then they have much less of a tendency to go, oh, yeah, which Terry told us that, you know, umpire strike zone is what we're going to have to fight when it's strike two. We don't have to swing at a bad pitch on strike one because the umpire calls it out there. We only have to worry about it when it's going to get us out. Well, do you think educating officials, umpires, referees is just as important as educating parents and coaches about behavior then? Absolutely. Because Because we're all people. Because there are some umpires that are out there thinking that it's them, and it's not them. They are facilitators of a game, and we actually, we as participants in the tournaments, they work for us, and 
what we expect is no different than what we expect when we go into a restaurant. We want good service. And if the umpire, if your wait staff is not good at the restaurant or is abusive, you're not going to tip as much. You well, know? you're bringing so up you're bringing up a good point, thing. Terry. Listen, sir, thank you for your call. I appreciate Thanks. it. You have a good day. All right, let's see what PJ has to say. PJ, good morning. How are you? Hey, pretty good, guys. How are you doing today? Great. Go ahead. Hey, uh, so a, kind of a point and an idea. The, the point I had is um, I, I played catcher my entire life from, you know, kindergarten, first grade, all the way up through high school, and then even played some uh, hard bat, uh, wood bat, and men's league stuff afterwards. And as a catcher, you have a pretty unique perspective because you actually get to sit there and listen to the chatter going on in the, in the crowd. You hear the parents, you hear uh, all the, the negatives, of course. Um, I, I just thought it was pretty interesting that I, I used that to an advantage. I was either kind of you know, apologizing throughout the entire game for, for our team's uh, parents, or I was kind of egging them on and saying, man, those guys are kind of crazy. You hear them? And uh, it, it definitely helped us um, in, in some cases, but just an interesting point. But my idea, I don't know if this is already thrown out, I apologize if it was, um, if, if we get to a point where we're actually ejecting parents from games, um, why not eject the child as well? I mean, if, if that maybe just an idea, but would that not maybe hold the lips a little bit tighter to the parents if they know that their flippant remark might cause a kid to get kicked out as well? I, in the past, have had Fred Ng, who ran the National Youth Sports Coaching Association, on years ago. And Fred had a, a rule that if a parent was abusive at a game, the child had to leave too. So it, it is something that has gone on. I don't know if that's that's the right thing or not, but... I, if you have a parent who's out of control, I don't think you should penalize the child. Because I, I think that takes, takes it a little bit too far. But sometimes, you know, that might be an answer. Listen, PJ, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. No problem, guys. Take care. You know, Brian, as we wrap things up here, what do you th- what, what, what's going to be the way to fix this? Because we've got big-time problems here, and they're still going on, and they're getting worse. What are some of the solutions we think we need to address? I, th- I think that the associations are a little bit um, hamstringed in that they don't have the total control of the clubs. I think the clubs need to do a better job of educating the parents, and whether that's bringing in a professional like yourself to be able to actually remind them that the purpose is fun. Uh, just like the last caller said, ejecting the child, the, that child's there to just play a sport and be with their friends. We don't want to punish them. So but we but could, sometimes the only way a parent's going to get the message is if that ha- I don't agree with that either, but it might be the only way. Yeah, that might be the extreme course. But hopefully if someone like yourself goes in and talks to the actual individual club, not the association level, but the actual clubs, and speaks with those parents at more of a direct meeting to remind them of the total purpose of this is to enjoy the activity and it's not about a college scholarship that you're probably not going to get because you're not in the two percentile. I think that would help. Youth sports, in my opinion, and this is just my personal opinion, should be about two things. It should be about having fun, learning skills, learning fundamentals, and growing in the sport. Enjoying the activity. If you play a youth sport, hopefully you'll play as you get into middle school, maybe high school, and maybe if you're lucky enough to get to the collegiate level. But if you're playing at the youth sport level, it should be a fun activity. And this, this business of playing 50, 80, 100 games doesn't get fun anymore because then it becomes a job. And it becomes a job to schlep everybody around, wash uniforms, get food, go on travel, you know, to pay for traveling. It gets to be a pain. And I know that personally because I did it with my kids and I've seen it for years. The whole idea about youth sports to me is about the, ex- the, the activity, the event, and the excitement that comes with it. But when we go too far, when winning and results and all this comes into play, that's when this behavior starts. Do you agree? I totally agree. So educating parents, educating coaches, educating officials along the line. You officiated for 10 years, and you're done. And you're done basically because I'll tell everybody why you quit before we wrap things up today. Because the parents are out of control and no one's actually doing anything to try to modify their behavior. Okay. Well, I want to tell you, you know, we just met today. Um, I'm sorry you quit. I'm sorry you quit because you understand what it's about. And quite frankly, there need to be more people like you out there doing this because then people like you aren't going to quit. And, you know, people tell me. Oh, it's not so bad. Well, it is. It's 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 really bad. And when you when you you told me the story of an adult co-ed soccer game where a man throws the ball into a woman's face, then she goes and punches the guy. We got big time problems. And it starts it starts with the adults, and then it has to go down. Brian, thank you for coming in. People want to get a hold of you. How can they reach you? I think you've got some some great messages to help people with. Uh, the best way is probably to contact me through the Avila University Athletics website. 
Okay, and what it, what what's the you know what the uh, is it just Avila. I think it's avilaathletics.com. Okay, spell your last name so people know because it's not an easy one to spell. C I O L E K. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. And listen, I hope you get back into my fishing one day because we need people like you out there. Thank you. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. Hope you've enjoyed this show. It's podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB and on my website, winnersunlimited.com. Let me tell you something. Get people to listen to this. People need to hear what we talked about today. You can reach me several ways through my website, winnersunlimited.com. Send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Follow me on Twitter at at drjsportspsych, at drjsportpsych, or reach me at my office at 816-561-5556. If you want me to come talk to your organization, get a hold of me because there's a need for this type of stuff to be educating parents, coaches, and officials. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.